Now, broadcasting on Radio Star Worldwide, it's time for Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Let's tap into your own authentic genius and live the life you desire. Join Dr. Rademacher for an enlightened conversation about our brain intelligence, our body intelligence, and our energy intelligence. And now, here's your host, Dr. Bart Rademacher. Welcome. I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher, Prescription for Your Transformation, Real People, Real Conversations, and Real Success. I'm very excited to be here today again, as I always am. I guess I always start my show that way. And it's just that I'm so passionate about you know, sharing the things that I get to learn, the things that, you know, transform my life. Because for me, that's an exciting place to be, in that place of constant growing, constant progress. And um, it's something I just simply want to share with other people. I, I was in a place uh, many, many years ago after endless training in, in medical school and in residency, a total of actually 17 years. And not so much because I was a slow learner. It's just that I chose to learn a lot of things. I decided an eight-year program of, of medicine back in, in Holland, in one of the top medical schools in, in Europe, and then progressing here to the United States to get the best you know, postgraduate training possible, uh, both in, in surgery and plastic and reconstructive surgery at some of the best uh, institutions. And so what it meant for me is that I obtained this wealth of information and, and humbly felt that, you know, I was in a great position to help others and only finding out that there was a lot that I just didn't know, didn't realize. And it was confusing to me because I thought, wow, with all this education, I should know enough to have a very fulfilled and productive life. And what I mean by productive, intentionally productive, uh, productive in the, in the aspect of, is it producing the results that you want in life? And at that time, I wasn't even thinking along those lines. And that's interesting because in my early 20s, uh, unlike I think many people, um, I had clearly mapped out the rest of my life. You know, when I was going to get married, you know, when, what kind of education I was going to get, what kind of job I was going to have, and also beyond that, what kind of contribution I was giving to the world. And, and not so much understanding in that perspective, but I just knew that my life was to be a lot bigger than just a career. And so when I completed all my training, and I was about 37 uh, before I really started my own business, which is very late you know, compared to so many others out there in business, so, so many people even begin their business or entrepreneurship lives at the age of 17 or 18. Uh, when you look at some of the most successful people in the world, you can see that their, their ability to create a business uh, happens very early on. Um, I, had chosen to, I had chosen a different path. I had chosen the path of learning. And there, was, there were no shortcuts for that one. But the point that I'm getting at is that <clears throat> at the age of 37, I was married. Um, I had three kids. And something was absolutely missing. And um, it was only because I was against my own will, in fact, drawn to um, a personal development seminar. 
that is quite a story, actually. It's a story of reluctance, of criticism, of, you know, I saw this huge fellow on TV, I think it was on QVC at night, you know, selling snake oil. At least that was my interpretation or Tupperware. You know, you know, those, those short advertising clips that you get on QVC. Um, and fortunately, um, I did not have, how should I put it, the desire to insult someone by, you know, uh, refusing a gift, a gift of, uh, of uh, a ticket to go to a seminar. Um, Tony Robbins, by the way, just in case you're wondering. And um, within about 10 minutes of being in that seminar, I realized my life had changed. And my life was just going in a whole different direction, at a whole different level. Because within 10 minutes, I realized that the world of opportunity lay right in front of me. And so this is what this platform is all about. It's, it's helping people recognize that there's a whole world of opportunity waiting for them. And with all the learnings that I've received since that time, now about 18 years ago, um, and now I feel like I'm a slow learner because all the stuff that I've learned and share and teach and coach people on are things that I believe that we all can learn very early on in our lives. Um, in fact, learning, you know, from our young teenage years, in fact. And, um, and so that's, that's what I want to share. And so today is really about giving yourself permission to be human. And there's an interesting story with that, too, because at one point in my life, you know, I, I misinterpreted. No, let me, let me rephrase that. I didn't misinterpret. What people were misinterpreting being human is using that as an excuse for all their faults, for all the weaknesses, for not showing up, for not taking responsibility and accountability, you know, for their own lives. And that's a huge mistake. And when we look statistically and and if you're listening, you know, please don't take any offense to this if you include yourself in this. And that is that 97 percent of the world's population is what we call at the effect. They're at the effect of the world around them. The politics, the economics, the geography, the weather, whatever it is, they blame other things outside of themselves as to why they are where they are today. And, and I look at it from a different perspective. And, and if you're listening to this and looking to acquire more insight, or perhaps you're just intrigued about, you know, what this blonde guy with glasses and this blonde girl without glasses is, is sharing with you today, whatever your motivation is. You see, you are the culmination of all your decisions, all your experiences, all your emotions, all your beliefs to this very moment right now. So with tongue in cheek, I'll tell you, it's your fault you're listening to us. Because in a moment, I'm going to have Sedona, you know, share some of her thoughts. I always had to put her on the spot, but it's true. You are the culmination of everything up to this point. It's your, it's your fault. And as much as the environment has an effect on your decisions, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, they're still your decisions. And there are so many people out there with so many incredible disadvantages. And there's so many people out there with all the incredible advantages and you will see that some of those, you know, will end up in a rehab 
And some of those will be the most successful people in the world. And how is that possible? Who made that happen? And so it's important to appreciate that whatever's happening around in the world, whatever resources, whatever has been given to you, it's still your choice. You know, there's that metaphor that says, you know, if you're dealt a bad poker hand, you know, it's up to you to decide how you're going to play the game with a bad poker hand. It's easier, of course, if you've got a good poker hand. And that's always the case. And true, again, many people with that will fail miserably. And so this platform, again, is, is helping you discover what you don't know that you don't know. That's going to make the difference. And so being human is part of that. It's coming to that place of, of awareness. And I think this is the fault of so many people. They're just simply not aware. Part of it is a choice simply because they're choosing just not to be aware. And again, there's those people that are choosing to be aware, which is oftentimes my case, because as I look back, I was always searching. In fact, I was criticized for being that searcher. Oh, you're never going to be happy. It's, no, it's not about not being happy. It's realizing there is more. And I used to read, you know, all those complex books of, of the, the Renaissance philosophers and even the Greek philosophers, the Greek classics, you know, Socrates, Plato, and then Sartre and, and um, uh, Rousseau and all those people and realized that that was way above my pay grade. I didn't understand that stuff. I did not have the patience to really look through it and digest it and understand it. You know, I'm more that guy of, of action. That's essentially why I became a surgeon. You know, I want results right now. And the thing that, that you're going to want to know is that there are so many what I call psychological reference points or behavioral uh, reference points or just reference points. And these are memes. These are concepts. These are thoughts that simply help you understand the world in a better play, in, in a better way. You know, one of the things that, that I learned from, you know, one of my great mentors is Tony Robbins. And he says the quality of life is the quality of emotions. All life experiences are filtered through that emotional lens. Whatever emotion you're in will determine your experience in that moment. And it's, and it's reference points like this that really truly make the difference. So what does it mean, you know, giving yourself permission to be human? And what is it all about that awareness? It's first of all, recognizing that you're in a certain state, you know, every moment, you know, even if you're in a sleepy state, you know, there, you have some sort of emotion, you're experiencing something. It might be a neutral emotion. It might be a happy emotion. It might be a frustrated emotion, it might be a fear, emotion of fear. And so oftentimes, and now this is a question for Sedona. Okay. So oftentimes what happens we make these emotions wrong because at some point we learned, and usually when we were, you know, a small child, you know, it's not good to cry or man up, you know, for a guy or, you know, maybe for the girls, oh no, you're being too aggressive or you're being too mean, or maybe you're too, being too weak. You know, we are being told what's right and wrong. And, you know, I liken it to a little boy, a little girl, who's got this vast imagination. I mean, the world is their oyster. There's no limitations. And so if they were given a canvas to paint on, 
in essence, you know, they would have this magical painting that only they could understand. Obviously, if you're looking at it, you don't. And what a, an, an adult or someone else really typically does, they start painting on that canvas. No, it should be this way, or you should have this here. And then after a while, you realize, well, if that's what they're saying, and I want to belong with them, I better listen and agree and integrate that into my life when it's not there. And it's really not part of who you are. And so, so we're taking these learnings from the people around us. And so my question for, for Sedona, and this is putting you on the spot, actually, is, you know, if you were to give me a percentage of time that you say to you, that you're critical of yourself of having a certain feeling or a certain thought, I mean, what percentage would that be? And, and nobody listening can hold this against her because that's not fair. Um, I would say at least 40% of the time I'm worried about the emotion that I have in that instance. And, and thank you for being really honest. Um, and, and I'm thinking that most people wouldn't be as honest as, as you are. Um, and because 40% is probably a very accurate number. And I would say for most of us, it's probably going to be a lot higher, but also depending on what kind of emotion it is. Mm -hmm. But even emotions of happiness, you know, sometimes you're critical of yourself because you see someone else out there that's not happy, and now you feel responsible for them, and, and you criticize yourself and feel guilty that you're happy and they're not. And so, so it's interesting, you know, how it all fits together. And, and, a, and an easy reference point as to you know, why we feel guilty about something is because there's a fear within us that we're not loved or that we're not enough or that we're not connected with others. You know, we have a deep need of love and connection with other people. As much as some people may deny that, you know, we need to be connected. You know, we are social beings. And, and when people disagree, and we see this in, in politics today, it's, it's really unfortunate. You know, how, how people are so aggressive about their ideas and beliefs and everything else. And, and again, this is not a political platform. It, it's just unfortunate. And so oftentimes people will align themselves. You know, they will violate their values to satisfy that need, to satisfy the need, you know, with, with connection. And, and it doesn't matter what party you're from. You know, it doesn't matter what religion you are. You know, it doesn't matter what color skin you are, or it doesn't really matter what anything else that might be different. Is that you align yourself so that you don't lose that connection. You don't, we're not beings that can be really left alone. And so it comes down to, you know, honoring yourself. And as I like to put it, giving yourself permission to be human. It was interesting, um, you know, as much, again, all that development that I've done and everything else, um, I went through an interesting transition, again, obtaining these memes, these concepts, these reference points, as I like to put them. And that is that we all desire divine happiness. And, and oftentimes when I tell people that, I, immediately I get pushback. Immediately it says, oh, no, what does that really mean? Is that even possible? And it, it, how we define divine happiness is really different for everyone and and to get there in my opinion is actually just a simple mindset um the actual how is, is a little more complex and the mindset is simply to obtain divine happiness all you have to do is re resolve 
whatever makes you unhappy. That's it, right? So, uh, so don't have you ever heard it stated that way that for that divine happiness, all you have to do is resolve whatever makes you unhappy? Um, probably in fewer or more words, I've heard that. Um, but I've never heard it. I've never heard the term divine happiness. Okay. And, and again, you'd be like most people, I think. And, and most people will tell you, oh, you just have to be happy. You know, I liken it to, you know, let's just put a clean diaper over a dirty diaper. Let's forget about the dirty diaper. It's just put the clean one on there. And it really doesn't resolve anything. And, and over the years, you know, when I've, I have a bad moment, you know, people will try to convince me, oh, you just have to fake it and believe it and all that kind of stuff. And no, that doesn't work because that would be up in my head, you know, just trying to convince myself. And again, I would tell myself and as I tell others, you know, um, when you can logically think or as I put it, logic yourself into any kind of thought or belief at any given moment to convince yourself that you can be happy or this is right. And then the next moment, totally logic yourself out of it. And so thinking through it just doesn't work. Now, you can, you can, uh, are you waving at me? Is that? There was somebody that popped into the studio. Oh, I, I thought you were giving me the high five on that one. <laughs> so, um, so again, it simply is just remove whatever is making you unhappy. And that's a process that takes a lot of courage. There's a lot of, um, trepidation in this process it's not an easy one because it really you have to confront a lot of different you know ideas and thoughts and beliefs that you might have you know for us one of the other needs again this is the uh, be behavioral uh, needs that we have and and tony robbins again one of my mentors um is the one that you know really promotes it and one of the needs is uh significance and one of the needs is certainty um, and so in our lives, we have to have things mean something. Uh, we also have that need, that place of what we call what perhaps we call safety or rather certainty. We know we need to know that things are going to be in a certain way. And another phrase I like is, you know, life begins outside of your comfort zone. It's where you step out of that world of certainty and experience life in a more enhanced or expanded way. And for most people, that's just simply scary. It's, it's, it, it's the same with when I offer people coaching, for example. In my world, in my belief, everybody needs a coach. I mean, why would only professional athletes to be at the top of their game and have really successful game careers or sport careers, you know, have a coach and, and we not? So when I offer that possibility, again, there's a lot of pushback because people simply oftentimes like to stay in that comfort zone, even if it's painful. And interesting enough, by not expanding their lives, by not enhancing their lives, and in, in, in not making sure that they stay with the times because life is dynamic. It changes. There's chaos, then organization, and then chaos again. And so we have to stay ahead of any of the changes 
so that we can sustain a quality of life. And take the easy one, your health. If you don't take care of your health, at some point you're going to get a hit and the quality of life goes down. And oftentimes what happens with people is that, you know, in, when the pain is enough, then they're going to do something about it. That's that leverage that says, look, you know, this is too painful. I'm not going to stand for this anymore. And some, for example, weight, some people that are excessively um, heavy, right, reach a point and says, I can't deal with this anymore. And oftentimes what they'll do is they'll go back to the status quo. They'll go back to where they were before. And they're just happy with that state of certainty that they're used to. And that's just not going to work for us. And so in my world, and, and the one that I promote and the one that I coach, is how is it that we can actually enhance our lives? You know, what is it that we can do to have a better understanding of what's going on? Because the truth is, we can't change anything unless we understand what it is that we change. And so the great science of what we call neurolinguistic programming, and that's really the neurology and the language and the programming of all of our behavior. You know, what is it that causes us to choose to do certain things? And understanding that is key. Let me take you, let me give you an example. And let me ask uh, Sedona. So Sedona, um, have you ever been kind of uh, perturbed about something? Yes. <laughs> Um, irritated about something? Of course. Angry about something? Yes. <laughs> Livid about something? Yes. Yeah. And so all of those, they evoke a different state. And, and it's possible, I wasn't exactly looking at you carefully. I was looking at <laughs> the next things I was going to say, by the way. Um, the many times, or every time that you use a different word, evokes a different sensation inside of you. Did you feel any of that change? Of course. Yeah. And so that's just language. You know, we associate language in certain ways um, and with certain emotions and certain feelings. Mm -hmm. And so right there, that's a classic example of, of what's happening. Same thing with, um, you know, our physiology. Um, and that's part of what contributes to the neurolinguistic program, the neurology. And that's our physiology. So if you're in a, in a sad state, um, you're not going to want to do much. Um, I was not in a sad state in the last 24 hours, but I was in a deadbeat state with jet lag. I just came from New Zealand, incredible trip. And I just, you know, crashed. I just couldn't do anything. The best I could do is read a book. And when I had so many things that I had to take care of. And so here again, our physiology affects, affects our state. So have you ever been in that state where you're just at the peak state, you're related, and, and um, what is it that you're feeling in that moment? Um, yeah, most of the time that I am in my top prime is usually if I'm on vacation. Um, uh -huh. If I spend a long period of time with really good friends or family, and if something goes very well in the way it should have at work. <laughs> right. So, so basically, in a peak state, in a great state, anything is also possible. You, you're happy, you're invigorated, 
and you're smart, right? When you're tired, you know, sometimes what I call that a stupid state. It's that state where nothing's working. And I sort of had that today and I was foibling all over the place, couldn't find anything. But then the peak state, I come up with my best creations and realize, oh my gosh, you know, this is exciting, this is fun. And so again, these are concepts that you get to learn when you find those coaches out there. And, and it's funny because there's so much criticism about, you know, uh, life coaches out there. And, and I really find, again, for the most part, um, and, and the major reason is, is that people are critical of this because they're too afraid to either do something about their life that they're not happy with um, or just simply don't have that awareness that, that it's possible. And, and the other part, honestly, is that just like with any profession, um, in particular because this is a new profession, if you will, there's a lot of people out there that have just jumped on board. They don't have the proper you know, accreditation uh, to be a coach. But at the end of the day, I think you know, it's up to you to decide if you're working with a coach, whether they're getting the results that you want. And that's your decision. Ultimately, just talking to someone is always going to help you. It's a matter of yeah, what that value is and what you're willing to pay for it. So having a coach is critical in our lives because what happens, and this is really interesting, is what happens is that when you, when you look at the research, when you look at the science, we find that children really stop learning at the age of five. What happens at the age of five, Sedona? Um, just about, I guess that's about kindergarten age. Yeah, exactly. That's when kids go to school. Mm -hmm. And and I don't mean this with any criticism, but I actually, I do. Because what happens is that when you go to school, right, you're put down this narrow channel of thought. You've got to do these things. And when you look at um, education here in the United States, the best career that's available for people going through high school is to become a professor, nothing else, because you're learning a whole bunch of facts. And we just don't learn how to think. We don't learn how to imagine. We don't learn how to, to actually master uh, our communication with ourselves, our motivation, our inspiration, our emotions, all these things. And these are important. Um, up to the age of five, one of the key ways that, that we learn is through multiple associations, free thinking, free association, and what's called experimentation. And as we experiment all the different things, then we see if things work or not. When we go to school, we're not allowed to experiment anymore. We're not allowed to have free thinking anymore. And, and you see these, these kids who are really truly wired to be free thinkers and then they're accused of having ADHD and then they put on medication. You know, kids with this disorder um, simply have a different way of thinking. And unfortunately what happens, people are not taking the time, whether they're parents or the teachers, to um, adjust their lifestyle so that they can support the kids. And again, you know, there's um, one of the cool things that I get to do is um, I use assessments and assessments are interesting tools to help us figure out, you know, what motivates us, what inspires us, 
You know, where is our natural flow? How do we think? You know, oftentimes people will think, well, IQ is that critical thing. Well, IQ only supports probably about 20% of our abilities, if you will, in regular, regular lives. Um, the other 80% dramatically is influenced by so many other factors. Motivational maps, for example, I love this one. I recently did this, and I actually offer it as well. And the motivational map is, is based on, you know, these three dimensions of actually past, present, and future. And that's really your, your beliefs and, and your growths. And it's, it, it's an amazing part to understand, you know, how it is, you know, what it is that motivates us and, and what our feelings when we're actually doing something. And so if you get frustrated and if you get demotivated, you know, this is a cool assessment to then understand what you can shift. The other one, which is great, and I'll, I'll put some of these links online in a moment, um, is it's called Talent Dynamics. And this is based on the book of the I Ching. And I Ching was about 5,000 years ago, you know, with the, the Chinese emperors. And the monks basically want to understand um, the effectiveness or the abilities of people so they could do whatever it is or suggest or recommend whatever it is they need to do to help them function at the highest level. Because here's the question you have to ask yourself, you know, are you functioning at the highest level? Could you do better? There's a, there's a great saying that says, you know, hell on earth if you ever meet the man you're meant to be. And that rattled me like crazy once when I, when I heard this. And I, um, I heard this from a brilliant man, Keith Cunningham. He's got a great program out there if, if you're ever thinking of your financial success. Um, he has what he calls a four-day MBA program. And no offense to college students or Harvard graduates, but that four-day MBA is basically equivalent to two years at Harvard. And what it is, it's, it's a practical insight as to the psychology of economics and money spending that will help you be very successful. And so what happens with the, the talent dynamics, it's really understanding what, where do you find your flow? Are you that person that's more of a creator? You know, that, that hot, big vision, you know, off the ground sort of um, um, uh, vision or perspective of life? Or are you that person that's more in that, you know, you're managing things, you're structured, you're scheduled, you know, it's time driven and you're very, very grounded. And, and so most people don't have both, for example. I mean, you may have a little bit of the other one, but you're either strongly a creator or you're strongly more of that management person. And then you have the other quadrants, one that's more of that social butterfly, if you will, that's really connected socially, they're charismatic, you know, they talk to people and, and they have great connections and they're, leaders, they're great leaders because they know how to inspire. And then you have those other people that are you know, like accountants, they're, they're very detail driven. And so understanding where your flow is critical. And so oftentimes when, um, and I've got my own story in this one, is that as we're growing as children and, and we, have, we, we want to go towards a special talent that we have, and then we're told, no, you can't do that. 
you've got to do this. And, and it happens way too often. So the best thing that we can teach our kids or give our ki kids is support and inspire their natural gifts and, and let them expand those. Because in that space, that's where we find our best fulfillment. That's where we are most fulfilled, when we are in flow, when, when we get to do things that happen naturally. It's, it's interesting when in any kind of business, when people are forced, if you will, to improve on their weakness. And, and the focus is on, well, you need to get better at what you're bad at. You know, wouldn't it be better to help people master what they're really good at and master at an even higher level and whatever is still needed in that company? You know, what they're not good at, find somebody else to fill that spot. I mean, think of it this way. If you're running a business and you have a person that is naturally talented somewhere else and you put them in a position that they're not good at, you're not going to get the best results. You're going to be overpaying this person for the results. And in fact, and this is what interesting, this is what struck me when I heard this, you're keeping that job away from someone who could do it really well. And so it's important to recognize what is your talent, accept your talents. And here again, I come back to giving yourself permission to be human. Now give yourself permission to know what your strengths are and be okay with your weaknesses and one way or another, find a way to help mitigate those weaknesses or get somebody else to take care of these things. And so in any business, you're going to be that much more successful. And it's the same thing with children. You know, why force them in a certain way when it doesn't serve them? And then they get stuck in a career like I see so often, especially in the careers like medicine and, and law. And, and you find these people dramatically shifting their lives in, 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 the, you know, in the 30s or 40s to do something entirely different. I met a woman once who was a senior VP, I think it was a Chase Manhattan Bank, very successful, very brilliant woman. And about the age of 55 or 60, um, she decided to become a shaman. She retired. So it's a complete 180. And this happens all the time. You have people that are attorneys that suddenly become artists. Um, so how unfortunate it is to wait that long to find where the juice is in your life. And interesting enough, in, in my case, um, I had two older brothers and uh, I was born in Holland, moved to the U.S. when I was a year old. And my elder brothers hated speaking Dutch because I was originally you know, from Holland. And... So they refused my mom to, to have them, you know, learn or keep on learning Dutch and going to Dutch school when we lived in the U.S. So my mom, being a clever, you know, cultured woman, she was actually quite brilliant, um, made my two brothers um, learn music and, and learn art, which they both detested. They did a very bad job at it. They really didn't like it. And so we moved to Mexico at one point when I was uh, six years old, lived there for about eight years. So again, my mom being a smart lady decided, well, I failed twice with my two older boys. I'm going to try something entirely different. And so I actually went to a British school in the morning, a Mexican school in the afternoon and listened to this, a French school at night and, and never did any art, never did any music. And interestingly enough, 
um, of all my brothers, I'm the most musically and artistically inclined. And so I missed out on something that I could be very good at. And the question is, where does this happen with your own children? You know, we've got these ideas that our children need to be in a certain way. They need to learn these certain things. And, and I get it. You know, it's, it's you're, you're living from what's called the mo your model of the world, your perspective. You're right and you're wrong. But your blueprint, if you're listening to this, your blueprint that's right for you, as long as you're even aware of that, is completely different for somebody else. So wouldn't it be worthwhile to find out what your blueprint really is? You know, in fact, you know, are you really you know, living your blueprint or are you actually living your parents' blueprint? Or are you living somebody else's blueprint just to fit in? And that is why this platform is called Prescription for Your Transformation. You know, by whose prescription are you living your life? Is it yours or someone else's? And, and I can almost guarantee you, in fact, I'll guarantee you that all of us are living somebody else's prescription. And, and sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's actually in total alignment with our beliefs and, and our values. Because it's our beliefs and values that ultimately determine the quality of life that we have. And I'll get back to that in a moment. And the truth is, is that we learn these means, these concepts of living, of, of, of thinking, of believing, of emotion, you know, from very early on. Either because of what someone has taught us and, and we believe them or we feel that, you know, or we experience that we have to believe them. Or in fact you know, traumas. And, um, you know, at one point I had done so much personal growth, uh, going to Tony Robbins, doing neurolinguistic programming, doing all sorts of stuff. And I thought to myself, well, hang on a second. There's a science of psychology out there. Maybe I should go out and, and get some, you know, behavioral therapy from a psychologist. And, and I did that just to learn because I want to learn more and, and have more of a scientific background on it. And, I terminated that process very, very quickly. Uh, first of all, I didn't relate to, to the, the therapist, but also because he accused me of being traumatized by my parents. And I said, holy shit, right? Holy yes. I, I guess we're not supposed to say that, right? But I said, that's not possible. I have the best parents in the world. You know, I know I didn't agree. I wasn't always eye to eye with my dad. Um, but certainly my mom, and I couldn't imagine them traumatizing me. And so at that point, I left. And the truth is, all of us, and, and listen to this, are traumatized. And, and not by any specific intent, or as a mature adult, we'll see this as not being traumatized. But here's my first trauma, right? Listen to this. I'm a three-month-old three baby, used to getting you know dinner at a certain time of day. And when at one day that doesn't happen and I'm freaking out, you know, I don't know the difference. I just know that, you know, <clears throat> the milk that I'm getting feels good and I'm happy. And when I don't get it, I'm not happy. And if it doesn't happen for a long period of time, then you're traumatized. And so as we're growing up, you know, all these little incidents, uh, we perceive them in a traumatic way. And our life then becomes very much governed by the beliefs that we develop based on these incidents that an immature child 
cannot process in its proper context. Um, and as the easy example, the reason my mother was late was maybe because my brother fell down and hurt himself and, he, and she had to take care of him. I mean, as simple as that. I mean, these are normal life situations that as a child, you simply don't get to perceive. And so we carry these on for the rest of our lives. And so that's why I say these beliefs, they lead us into irrational thought. And what I mean by that, it's irrational because it's not true. It's not real. It's based on a false belief. You believe it's true, but it's not false. I mean, it is false. And so what we have to do is we have to challenge the truth of everything. And when we, especially when we're irritated, or particularly when we're irritated, particularly when we're disturbed, and ask ourselves, you know, what's what's true about this, and what's my role in this? You know, that awareness. I look at it from the perspective of, let's celebrate our faults and, my, and our weaknesses, because that's a signal for us to realize, ha, huh, there's something I can work on so that I can find more peace and fulfillment in my life. Simply because there's an irritation, there's the disturbance, there's a mismatching of beliefs or values or situation or situations that don't serve me. And and next time you're thinking of of, you know, being wrong because you're frustrated or sad or simply because you are frustrated or sad or just upset at somebody rather than looking at that person and making that person responsible for your upsetness, ask yourself, you know, what's my role in this? You know, what is it that I can change? And what's exciting for me is that I'm coming across so many experiences today that in the past would irritate me or offend me. And, um, and it's only the times that I'm tired or, or hungry the physiology, getting back to that neurology, that physiology that isn't up to par, then then I get more of that that disturbance. And so being at cause, so it really comes down to this, you know, having that awareness, being responsible to your, of your thoughts. Only you are responsible for your thoughts, no one else, right? And, and if we just thought, started off with that, being responsible for your thoughts, then you're also responsible for your actions. And so any of those people, I mean, you talk to anyone who's aware of all the political drama that's out there. And all of that makes sense somewhere. You know, we can be as critical to anyone who is misbehaving, right? But all that behavior makes sense somehow. And so if we can just have that curiosity having that openness as to, okay, the reason this person is acting this way makes sense. And that includes, you know, happy, you know, experiences, happy feelings. You know, if you're happy, it makes sense that you're happy. There's, there's a reason behind that. Oftentimes it's unconscious. And so why not be okay with that? Because it's their thing. It's about them. Not to take it personally. But the, the misbehaving, if you will, in that context of what's normal behavior. And again, 
you know, that's different for everyone, of course, but some things are quite obvious. I, I will say this, is that people do the best they can with the resources that they have. So it's not necessarily a fair thing. You know, I mean, obviously, if you're choosing to be unresourceful, I mean, violence is, is the last resort for what I call the, the impotence. The people that, you know, are not willing to think of better options. We need to keep the conversation open, particularly with ourselves. Asking ourselves that question, what's really true about this? What's a better meaning about this? And how can we work together? How, how can I find greater peace? What can I do in this moment to become a better person so I could be happier? So if you want to be self-serving, so you could be happier versus, you know, being destructive. And again, the purpose of this platform with all my, my interviews with different people, and, and the reason it's not me so much talking, rather others, um, is about tapping in what I call the collective wisdom to develop generative collaboration. I like to tap into the wisdom of so many other people, not just the great guys out there like Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer. I mean, beautiful, beautiful souls. I think what's important is that as a human race, as a collective, we need to get together and share our thoughts, expand our thoughts, but not only share them, but also be witnessed. Because I think is, is, is the key where so many of us hide is because we're scared to be witnessed. We're scared to be wronged. We're scared to be shamed by others. And the cool thing about what I get to do and the people that I'm hanging around with is like, rather than saying or being immediately critical and judging me, they're finding out, okay, where can I fit this in my life? You know, where can, can this work in my life? And so what happens then is that you increase your, your, your world, but more importantly, you increase your identity. One of the key things that I've learned over the years, and this is the strongest force in human behavioral psychology, is to remain consistent with how we identify ourselves. So all these groups, all these gangs, all these social structures, that's all identity. And, and the desire is to stay connected with people, is to have that certainty, to have that significance. When really what we should be focusing on, what is our identity as unique human beings and how we can give permission to be that and to be a force of change within ourselves so that we can expand and have greater openness and, and, and not, I wouldn't say tolerance, but just simply acceptance of other ways of thinking. And from that, I believe the beauty of life is diversity. You know, in, in the social structures today, you know, everybody wants uniformity. You know, whether it's physical shape, whether it's color, whether it's religion, whether it's this or that, you know, looking at our past, they want to erase the past so that everything is the same right now. That's boring, actually. That's uniformity that kills us, kills a, the creative soul within us. 
you know what 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 there's a theory of um uh self-determination theory that's what it's called the sdt and what that means is that we have to tap into our autonomy or individuality we have to tap into mastery so that we can master that whatever it is that we're doing in life so that we feel that we're exceptional and unique in what it is that we do and everything has to have a purpose but if you take away that diversity you take away all that autonomy and then you're just like everybody else and then the purpose is non-existent and so giving yourself permission to be human finding out what that prescription is for yourself getting the right coach getting the right mentors and getting the right reference points so that you can expand your life and expand your identity happiest people honestly are those that have more choices and i think jay leno said you know uh, uh, it's nice to be rich because now i've got more choices and he said it differently but it's absolutely true right not to say that rich people are happy people but the fact is when you have more choices in life and that's up to you that's your responsibility that's you being at cause and seeing a greater meaning and a greater purpose in all the things and so the last words that i want to share uh is this is we all desire divine happiness however you want to define that all we have to do is resolve whatever makes us unhappy it's not about telling ourselves uh and do love rather than remove what blocks us from being love and finally where we're happiest as well is when we're growing when we're expanding and when we authentically contribute to others where we give beyond ourselves you know there's a truism that says we give others first and then we will receive everything and so once again i am dr bartrand and make a prescription for your transformation real people real conversations um thank you for allowing me to do this monologue today sedona mm-hmm. and and really just give yourself permission and uh be the best version you can be of yourself and if you want more information if you want to find out about assessments if you want to find out ways to become more just shoot me an email shoot me a, a message and i'm happy to help you out once again thank you so much till next time i'm dr bart radamaker prescription for your transformation real people real conversations and real success thanks for listening to dr radamaker's prescription for transformation Join Dr. Barton Rademacher live right here on Radio Star Worldwide each week or on demand 24-7.